Welcome to the leadership series of the Global Venturing Review podcast. In this series, we talk to thought leaders from the corporate and university venturing worlds each week to get an inside view on how they are changing the world. In this episode, our editor-in-chief, James Mawson, talks to John Gloschick from Heritage Group HG Ventures. Over to you, Jim. Welcome to the Global Corporate Venturing Leadership Series. I'm delighted to this week be joined by John Gluschik from Heritage Group's HG Ventures. Welcome, John. Thank you, Jim. It's good to be with you today. Yeah, I'm delighted to uh, to be catching up with you again. It's been a little while. And so I'm interested, perhaps for the benefit of some of the listeners, can you give a, a bit of a background about yourself and HG Ventures, what what you guys are interested in? Sure. So a little bit on, on myself. I've been in the venture industry for, for over 20 years. And before that, I was an engineer. I started a venture back in 1999 with an early stage venture partnership and helped manage four funds there. In 2015, I moved over to, to Duke University to help them start a new angel network. And then in 2018, joined uh, the Heritage Group to start uh, this new venture arm. The, the Heritage Group, just as some background on the, on the company, is it's large, a large multi-generational family-owned private company. It's headquartered in Indianapolis and has businesses spread throughout the country. also has a presence in, in Europe and China. Our major verticals are environmental services, transportation, infrastructure, and related materials, and specialty chemicals. We also have a world-class research group that has deep technology expertise in material science. The company is founded on a number of key principles. I'll mention just a couple, I think, that are most relevant to to venture and entrepreneurship. One is that we have a passion for problem solving. We also have a focus on building long-term partnerships and relationships. And, and, and that translates into driving innovation and entrepreneurship with early stage companies and also from within the business. So our new venture arm, HG Ventures, is almost two years old. The model that we have combines what we feel is the, the best aspects of, of both pure venture and, and the best of corporate venture without some of the traditional drawbacks that you might see. Our structure and our process is similar to a venture fund. We compartmentalize all our investing activity No information is shared outside of our small venture team without permission from the business. Uh, Our team structure, our investing process, and our diligence is very similar to venture. We'll lead deals, negotiate terms, build syndicates, and then serve on boards and act as fiduciaries when appropriate. We do have a close relationship with the operating businesses within the Heritage Group, and we get feedback from them, which is extremely valuable. But just to be clear, we do not require approval from those businesses to, to make investments. We have a small investment committee that can act very quickly. They're well-informed, they're engaged in our process, uh, and it makes, us very, it makes it easy for us to make decisions uh, quickly when necessary. The, there's a few things that are different, obviously, from pure venture, right? We don't have liquidity pressure you might see from, from any funds. Uh, we, we can focus on long-term value creation. And then we don't have this thing called fundraising, <laughs> which is quite a luxury uh, as, a, as a, a former venture capitalist that, that lived from fund to fund. Uh, we, we don't have to allocate a portion of our time to, to raising a fund. We can dedicate that to uh, working with our businesses and, and building a great portfolio. We essentially, we essentially have one large, sophisticated, limited partner that's fully engaged, adding significant value to our process, and committed to a long-term investing strategy. But at the same time, you know, we turn around and we look at this amazing set of resources we have across the Heritage Group. The company's 90 years old with extensive experience and relationships in the industries we operate. We also have a stable stable leadership team with lo- a long-term vision for growth and innovation. So in terms of specific investing strategy, we're stage agnostic. 
were geographically agnostic. We'll write initial checks anywhere from a million to eight million. And we expect to invest about 50 million per year, including following financings. The, the main filter we use to determine fit for our portfolio is a simple question, and that is, can we help? Can we use our industry expertise, our technology expertise across the heritage group to help a business, help them grow, help them be successful, and to create a great relationship with our operating companies? Uh, we believe this is you know, a tangible value we can bring, and that's the main filter. If, uh, if we can help, we'll take a look at investing. Wonderful. Well, thank you, John. It's really impressive what you've achieved in such a relatively short space of time for HG Ventures. And we're recording this in early April, so I'm interested, given the sort of the impact of the coronavirus, has that had much of an impact in terms of how you operate as a as a unit or in terms of your portfolio company so far? It, it certainly has. You know, this is a, a unique environment. Uh, we we have seen. We've seen cycles before, right? And I've, I've seen a, a few in the venture industry, but this is unique in a lot of ways. There is no expert on how to invest in, in companies during a global pandemic, right? So <laughs> let's be careful not to, to, to draw too many parallels, but I do think that this creates a situ- you know, situation where you do have to operate differently. Within our team, You know, we have a small team. Uh, we have a culture that is based on kind of a venture partnership decision-making process. And it's very, very important for us to stay in close contact. So that obviously creates a challenge, I think, in the current environment where we're, we're, we're not together physically, we have to look for opportunities to get together, opportunities to talk, exchange information, even though we might not be doing that in person. Uh, and, and, and that extends to our portfolio. You know, our, I think it's really critical in this, uh, in this environment that we're in now, April of 2020, that we touch our portfolio companies as much as possible, reach out to them. And it doesn't have to be a specific issue that you're looking to address or a specific topic. I think just talking through, you know, the things that are happening, it's such a dynamic environment. The, you know, the thing that I think stands out to me right now relative to other downturns I've seen in the industry is that the assumptions change almost weekly on you know, what to expect going forward, how things are going to look coming out of this. And I think that's where we just need to be ready to make changes uh, and, and, and adapt as quickly as possible. At the end of the day, that actually should be a strength for small companies, right? For early stage companies, for small teams like ours, uh, we should be able to da- adapt quicker than, than larger organizations. It's good to hear. It's good to hear that you're thinking through the impact on the portfolio companies. But in terms of the professional development, John, obviously your own background was more on the sort of independent VC transition, you creating what I think is one of the most professional and exciting sort of models out there around the world currently. But how do you think about recruiting, training, retaining talent, and also with, you know, within HG Ventures, but also within your portfolio companies? Sure. Within, within the team, we, we are, like I said, trying to create that, that small partnership culture. So we're using what I, would, what I would say is a very similar type of professional development strategy to what you would see in a venture fund. And that is to say, you know, let, let's let's build a set of skills and experiences and relationships that would allow you to take on more responsibility to to make investments, to lead investments, and then to be a good partner with your portfolio. And there are a set of skills and experiences that we look in all our, with all our venture professionals to develop. Finding people that are interested in coming into that culture, I think, is relatively straightforward from from the perspective of development. But as a corporate VC, sometimes. Uh, there's a little bit of a confusion as to you know what you know what is different about this right how how is the corporate venture experience different than maybe a pure venture fund experience and 
we feel like with our model, we've been able to create that culture and that environment and that development opportunity. And at the same time, add on to that, this incredible you know, set of relationships you can now have within the broader heritage group and a leadership team that has a long-term vision that's going to support the growth of innovation and entrepreneurship across the entire business. So for us, it's just a question of you know, making sure that message gets across clearly to some of the young professionals out there that you know, we're looking to build our team. But I think once you get into the heritage group, invariably, we see people just amazed at the culture and the resources and the people that we have uh, to grow. With, with regard to the portfolio, you know, I think there are, there's, there's a, this is a, a unique time, but there are some basic principles I've always used to help guide the building of great teams in our portfolio companies. And I think that's true now, even, even more so uh, than in other times. The, fir- the first thing that I always focus on is, is get the right CEO and then support that CEO. Let them build a team. The CEO is the highest leverage point in the organization, and you want to make sure you have the right person in place. But once you do that, just you know, support them and, 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 and provide as much guidance as you can as they you know, build an, an executive team and then develop that over time. One of the key mistakes I see a lot of CEOs make is that they, they tend to appreciate loyalty and familiarity, sometimes above experience and expertise. Uh, it's, it's a natural kind of trap to fall into, right? Because you get to know the people around you, you get to know the people in your personal network. And this sometimes can lead to things like unqualified promotions from within or some external hires that maybe only limited are limited to a, a universe of, of candidates from a, first, a personal network. So I've found a lot of success in, in working with professionals, right? There are search firms out there that are very good at finding and attractive, at attracting talent if you partner with them, they can typically run a better process than either the executive team or the board can, especially given the other things that, that we have to do. So I, I, I always you know, would, would always uh, ask my, my companies to consider using someone that can help us guide, help guide us through that process. The last thing that, that, I, that I always focus on is, is, is equity. You know, equity is the great motivator. And I think we lose sight of this sometimes when you get into compensation discussions around talent, whether it would be someone you're trying to bring in or changes you might make internally. I've always been willing to give equity to attract and retain talent, even above market norms, because it's it's just a, an incredible alignment of incentives and, and a great way to drive people in the same direction. Yeah, I think that's spot on. Certainly Charlie Mungo, who's the CIO over at Berkshire Hathaway, says it's a you know, it's the thing he, he constantly focuses on, but uh, never focuses on enough in some ways is that incentives. Why do people do what they do? And you know, the more you can concentrate on but equity, is such a powerful draw in that way. So good to hear on that side, John. And then in terms of thinking about the partnerships, obviously think about recruitment agents and how you can partner with them and, and draw on a skill set. Venture capital is usually by nature a sort of collaboration or partnership sort of ecosystem. How do you partner with other corporations and CVC units? Have you had any good examples in the past couple of years of where things have worked well in that regard? We have developed some good relationships with, with a number of, of CVCs across across the, the world, really, and, and especially in geographies that are outside of North America. You know, a, part, a key part of our strategy is to, is to partner with, with other CVCs and other venture funds in, in areas that are farther away where, where we can't maybe spend as much time face-to-face with the companies we're investing in. We've certainly shared shared deals with these groups. I don't have any good examples yet, but we're young, 
And uh, you know, we're looking, we are looking at some deals now along with some other corporate venture venture groups. And and we we do we do really value those relationships because in, in in the cases where we're looking at things together now, we see a, a great overlap in in the way that we're looking at deals and the way we're looking to add value, right, in, in a tangible way. And there are some great groups out there we learn from too. So you know, I want to make sure I, I give credit to to the industry in general because when we got in to do this uh, and even before we started this group, I learned a lot from friends of mine in in corporate venture. And you know what works, what doesn't work, and how we can maybe improve on the model together as an industry. No, it's good to hear. Thank you. And then one of the things I've always been impressed with, you described earlier that sort of Heritage Group is a sort of multi-generational family-owned business, you know, the sort of values that really seem to come from that around sort of thinking about problem solving and sustainability seem to be driving it. And thinking about the thought leadership more generally in the industry, how does, in effect, innovation or corporate venturing respond to what seems to be this sort of pressure for how do you help society you know given the coronavirus climate change whole host of topics is there more that the industry could be doing and venture could be doing to respond and help society and i think there's a certain amount we can do jim and there's a certain amount that we just have to be patient about and, and as you mentioned you know, sustainability has always been one of the key elements of our mission at the heritage group it's a it's a driving theme in the services we provide and the technology we develop but you also have to be realistic about how much you can push on that, right? We, we've been operating in some regulated in, industries for decades, so we can appreciate, you know, and understand how they're evolving over time. But the economics of a buying decision are always going to be the priority until there is a significant pressure to change. And, and what we're hoping to do with innovation, some of the things we're developing internally and with our portfolio companies is, is provide a, a, an economic argument, right, that gets coupled with that sustainability argument. And the key to understand the key is understanding when and how that transition is happening, and promoting it with technologies and processes that that can be economically competitive with existing solutions. So we see that evolution happening. It's a key part of what we do and what we want to create. But we also have to be realistic, and you can't have you can't have the assumption that you know the economic decision is going to be trumped by some kind of you know green condition, so to speak. And, it, and if we want it to be part of what we're doing, we see that move in a lot of industries. And we're happy to see that not only the regulations, but the ways in which companies are defining value is actually getting tied to sustainability. So I would say that we are in somewhat of a unique position because of the industries that we're in to drive that, but we're also realistic on how quickly it can happen. Mm, yeah, it makes sense. And then how do you see that corporate venturing can take a greater share in terms of leading more broadly the venture ecosystem, you know, how do you think about finding some of your old peer group as independent VCs and other sort of venture investors, and perhaps what could help join up the community? Yeah, Jim, that's a great question. I, I think it's a, it's really important that we always think about this because you know, as corporate venture works together with peer venture and together you know, supporting entrepreneurs, we we have to listen to each other uh, to be good partners. I think the key is to to hear the feedback. Right from these other groups that we work with, I was in pure venture for many years, right? So I've I've offered this feedback myself to to other friends, good friends of mine in the corporate venture world, and uh, and I think they and they've given me some great feedback too. But the, the things that that I've impressed on them and that I'm now living myself, I think, are important to think about. And again, it's all under the heading of of being a good partner, right? A good syndicate partner and a good partner of your companies. One is just to tr- try to eliminate the the, the strategic constraints. I know it's hard to do for a lot of corporate venture groups, but 
things like you know a right of first refusal or a requirement for strategic partnership or maybe a, a, a limitation on competitors you can work with. These are all constraints. And I know in some cases, some corporate groups will say, look, this is kind of required for it to be, you know, to, to have strategic value. But that any any limit you put on how a small company can operate is a negative, in my opinion. Right? Small companies should be able to grow and adapt. And that should be a strength, like I mentioned before, against larger companies. The next thing is decision making. I think streamlining the decision making traditionally has been an issue for a lot of corporate VCs. The hierarchy, the the process can take a long time. And that's frustrating, right? It's frustrating if you're a pure VC or an entrepreneur trying to get a financing put together or make an important strategic decision. That that that's something we I think we can we can do something about, right? There's no reason why we shouldn't be able to move faster and make ourselves more efficient. The the the, the third thing I'll mention is 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 around IP. And this this has to do with helping entrepreneurs while protecting their IP. Because I think a lot of both corporate venture and venture funds, they typically underestimate how scary it is for a small company to divulge the IP and know-how. They have they might have patents, you know, they might have a lot of things in place to try to protect their IP, but they don't have the resources to be offensive, right? I think NDAs look great on paper, but what we need to do is build trust in how we protect their information. And that's the only way we're going to get to have an open relationship, trusted relationship, and therefore successful, successful long-term partnership. Another thing I'll mention is just the consistency and investment strategy. You know, I think this is something that as, a, as an industry, the corporate venture industry, we, we often ha- have issues with because there's too many examples of corporate venture investors who come in and out of the market or change their investment approach. And that's typically because they have, they have a, either a change in leadership or a change in kind of strategy that filters down into corporate into their into their venture arm. In order to be a reliable syndicate partner, we need to have things like capital reserves that we can all kind of contribute together as a syndicate when necessary, and we have to be able to support our companies at all times. And there's a consistency there that I think and a reputation you need to build, right, to be a to be a, a, a good syndicate partner. But you know, at the end of the day, we I think we also need to recognize that. Typical VC and corporate venture, venture are different, and that's fine. There's you each have strengths and weaknesses, but I think if you have the, if you get those things to work together, it's actually it's actually really powerful. I think we're we're, we're actually a really powerful ecosystem if if we can do that given given what we what we respectively can bring to the table. You know, when we created HG Ventures, we analyzed all those strengths and weaknesses in detail, and you know, I, I mentioned you know how we tried to combine you know the best of both worlds, and thanks to the the leadership and vision of the Heritage Group leadership team, we were able to create a platform that we think does, just does that and, and help supports both our entrepreneurs and our operating businesses in a unique way. Wonderful. Well, John, thank you so much for your time and uh, the great work you've done so far. I really appreciate it. And join us once again for the next episode of the GCV Leadership Series. Thanks. My pleasure, Jim. Global Venturing Review was produced by In-Ear Production. You can find out more by going to inearproduction.com.